Hey, thank you for listening to the City Life Church podcast. We are leading people to become fully alive in Jesus. We're a church in San Francisco, and we're praying that this word will encourage you, challenge you, and help you grow in your faith journey. All right. Well, it is good to be before you this morning. Uh, they said her name is Felicia. Is it Felicia? You know, Proverbs 31 says she is clothed in strength and dignity. <laughs> and that's what that looks like right there. <laughs> that Laker hat, Laker shirt. Um, I was processing the message and then they opened up the altar and I, I saw the glory walk over and I was like, man, I, I might need to slide over there and get some prayer myself. But uh, I, I'll tell you this, this, this is something, I didn't share this with the first service, but it's just really pressing on my heart. Just by definition, uh, reformation means a return to scripture, a return to obedience to scripture, and revival uh, means a return to being uh, truly filled and led by the spirit. And uh, what we experienced in worship this morning is that's not, that's not something that feels like revival, that is revival. And I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for some of the things that have been happening, like at school chapels and, and uh, across the country at home gatherings and, and whatever else. But I, I hope we, we all have an understanding that the, the vehicle of revival is the local church. And, and, and as we experience revival, it's, it's going to be uh, by way of the church and in the church, and, and yes, there may need to be more services and more buildings and different things, but, but, but how many of you understand that, that you don't have big, big feedings and, and have big outreaches and, and feed the homeless with the anticipation that they're going to stay homeless? And you don't have, and a lot of people think revival should be a bunch of worship and prayer in the streets. That's great, but that's not with the anticipation of them staying in the streets. We get them here into the house so that they can be discipled and led and experience week after week, day after day, what we get to experience uh, here in the house. And, and, and I'm so grateful for the team, Pastor Chelsea. Uh, once again, like I said, it, it, also in that worship service, she's like, if you're dealing with something, get down here. And I, for a second, thought, well, I'm dealing with something. We all are, right? But uh, just such an anointing, such an authority in this house, and, and I'm so grateful for it. Uh, I do, I do got to, uh, I want to honor a number of people before we get going, but of course, I want to want to honor the shepherds of this house, Pastor John, John, and Elena, such incredible pastors. I hope I hope you understand that you serve under global leaders, global leaders. Uh, many of you don't get to see it. Uh, throughout the year with the MFI and global conference and different things, but there are churches all over the world that are affected by the leadership of your pastors. And please don't lose sight of that. Please don't lose sight of that, that gifting and that mantle that's on them because thankfully for you, you get to walk and live in the wake of that anointing and you get to carry that. Um, the Bible talks about the oil being poured on, on the head and runs down runs down to the congregation, runs down to the generations, amen? And uh, of course, your incredible youth pastors who really did something uh, on Friday night that I think is very symbolic for San Francisco, uh, brought together a number of churches under one banner and brought together uh, a number of churches with uh, one intention, and it was to glorify the name of Jesus. And this room was packed, and I keep telling them, you guys better get used to that. Uh, even here on Sunday, I'm seeing them bringing chairs in from, from every, every which way. Uh, you guys need to get used to that. 
And, and understand this, for all, every one of these chairs that gets brought in, it's not your lead pastors that are going to disciple them. It's, why am I up here ranty? Okay, but, uh, but anyway, uh, I love this house, I love this church, and I love your youth pastors, Pastor David and Aaron. You are incredible. My wife, Karina, is here with me. Will you stand? She told me not to do that. We've been married for 11 years. She hasn't been able to keep her hands off me. So as a result, we have two girls, two little girls. There we go, Aria and Mila. They are a lot of fun, little half-breeds. Uh, I just love them. And, and, and he's, he's, he's been mentioned, but I, I'm telling you, it is always, always, always our honor to be in the presence of, of, of my friend and brother, Pastor Del Augusta. Thank you so much, Pastor Del, for being here. When talking about the local church, here's, here's the thing, man. You have the giftings and connections to travel the world as much as you want and preach and lead and impart, and you could live a pretty lucrative life doing that. Um, you know everybody, everybody knows you. You can preach and pray and lead as good as anybody. And instead of walking that path and running that path, you responded to the call of God and you're planting a local church. And I'm so thankful for that, man. I'm so thankful for that. And, and God's honoring that and he's gonna continue to honor that, bro. I, I love you, I appreciate you. All right, this ain't the Grammy, so I better preach all these thank yous and stuff. Pastor Isaac, I just love you, man. Thank you for what you're doing. Uh, can you stand to your feet? Can you stand to your feet? In the Bible, we're reading, uh, we're coming out of 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles, uh, I was warned by my friends David and Aaron that I will not hear pages when you guys get your Bibles out, but that's okay. Go ahead and scroll and click and do what you got to do to get to 1 Chronicles. I'll give some context to the passage, but I just want to read the passage first and then we'll dive into it. I want to pray. But uh, we're in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse, verse 9 through 10 interesting passage because it's, it's, it's right in the, in the middle of, of what we would know as, as genealogy, just history, what we're reading there. And then all of a sudden there's this story about this man that's only mentioned one more time in the Bible. Uh, you don't hear much about his background. You don't hear much about his story, but it's one of the most powerful passages I've ever read. And, and I'm going to read it with you guys. First Chronicles chapter four, verse nine through 10. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers and his mother called his name Jabez saying, because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. So God granted him what he requested. So God granted him what he requested. If you're watching online, so God granted him what he requested. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is alive. I thank you that your word is for today. I thank you that your word uh, speaks to us. We thank you, Lord, that every person that's in this room, every person that's watching online, God, you want to speak to. You want to speak to them. You want to once again remind them of your goodness and your love and your mercy. And we open our, our hearts to you. We open our minds to you. Lord, you already did a mighty work last night through your, your chosen vessels, the Lakers. What you do today at 1230 is, is just, there, there may be a remnant, there may not, and we don't care. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Go ahead and have a seat. It's been tough being a, a fan of anybody else in this city. 
I'm a Dodger fan. There's a long story behind that. But when we went to the Giants game last night, yesterday during the day, they were scoring so fast and so early, I almost felt that spirit jump on me. I was getting a little nervous. I was like, oh, no. Am I clapping for these guys? Anybody here have a weird or unique name? Bazardell. Uh, I don't have a weird or unique name, but my parents definitely left no doubt. My name is Tyrone D'Antoine Jones. You know, growing up in, in, in a city where there's, 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 uh, it's predominantly Hispanic and, and Caucasian, I was, I was oftentimes one of the only brothers in class. So, so the first day of school, uh, I didn't have the luxury of the, of the teacher looking up and kind of searching around for me when they were going down the, the roster. You know, they'd, they'd be looking at the roster like, is there an Ashley here? Wait for a hand to go up. And, hey, Seuss, I see you back there here. Tyrone. <laughs> yeah, that's me. How'd you figure that out, you know? My parents left no doubt. But I have seen some pretty unique names. Pretty unique names. One of the first names that I've seen that really kind of left me dumbfounded. Uh, there's a, there's an, a story, like an origin story to it, where this man and his wife were uh, getting ready to have their first child. And, and they wanted to name the child kind of based on the season that they were in and, and, and name the child based on uh, what, what, what he really enjoyed, I guess you can say. And, and one of the habits that he had is every single day he would get off work and, and, and go home and watch his favorite sports network. And he loved watching that sports network, and, and he would see the highlights, and he just really enjoyed that. And he enjoyed it to the point that he named his child Espen, spelled E-S-P-N. You can research that, and that's a real name. Another name I heard, actually I should say I've seen, is uh, a young lady who spells her name L. A hyphen A, pronounced Ladasha. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Because Pastor Dale, if your cousin wants to name herself Ladasha, that's okay. But it's just pretty, it's pretty unique. But I don't know if there's any more unique name than I've ever seen than this young man who grew up in Louisiana. His mom, a southern lady. And in the South, if you've ever been to the South, one common phrase you hear, especially in the sports world, is when a person's really good at something, they say, man, that, that, that boy, that boy is cold. They cold. You see, see D'Angelo Russell shoot that jump shot? That boy cold. And I'm not going to say it was a prophetic act, but the mom really wanted her son to be known as being cold at something. She was a sports fan and not just cold but the coldest, and you can look this up. This young man is a football player right now for Louisiana Tech University. His name is the coldest to ever do it, Crawford. The coldest to ever do it, Crawford. Lord Jesus, let that man go to the NFL. Because if he has to work at Chick-fil-A named the coldest... It, it ain't going to help him, Lord. I'm not going to hire a lawyer named Dakotas. There's just a lot of, I, you know, I'm not speaking limits over that man's life. I'm about to mess up this whole message. Uh, but 
The reason I, I, I go over those things, the reason I discuss those things is because uh, from the beginning of time, generation after generation, era after era, culture after culture, has this one thing in common is that there is meaning, thoughts, and heart behind names. When we name our children, when we name our pets, some people name their car, there's always the thought. When, when, when you hear someone who, who named their children, oftentimes the response is, well, what does that mean? Or where does that name come from? Is that a family name? We understand that at times names can even be something that's spoken prophetically over us. You think about uh, the name of Jesus that we were singing today, Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Talk about Jacob, who was, who was known as the deceiver and the heel grabber, being his name being changed to Israel. Benjamin's parents tussling over his name because of, because of what they believed he was going to someday be. Saul becoming Paul, there's, there's so much power in names, there's so much understanding in, in names. So when we get to this passage in 1 Chronicles and we see this man Jabez, how unique is it that the only things we know about him is that he was more honorable than his brothers and that he was a man of prayer because we read his prayer and the most unique detail is that his mother named him as a result of pain. And the interesting thing about it is not that she just named him as a result of pain, but when you look at the Hebrew text, the name Jabez can be interpreted or can be uh, read as the word pain. Imagine picking teams in elementary school. I got Josh, you got Justin, I guess I get pain. Going in for a job interview. Hey, what's your name? Pain. A bunch of our students last night, we were getting pictures and hearing stories. They, they all, a bunch of them went to prom. Who'd you go to prom with? Pain. Was nobody else left? It wasn't pain because of a reputation as a result of his own doings. That was assigned to him. Pain. And not only was it assigned to him in a moment, but the person who knew him best, who gave birth to him, put, put that label on him in a way that he had to carry it the rest of his life. Pain. Some of us here weren't named pain, but have carried pain from the very beginning. The interesting part, and I think it's, I think it's honestly on purpose, we don't actually know the root of this pain. We can assume that it was as a result of the physical pain of childbirth, but there are a lot of scholars who say, be careful saying that, because it could have been the pain of the relationship she was in when she had this son. It could have been the fact that this young man would be pain because he's growing up without his father. It could be pain because the relationship that, was, that, that uh, conceived this son is what she's going to think about every time she looks at him. Pain. The label of pain. The words of pain. Many of us walk in that 
mentality. We walk in that mindset that what was handed to us, what was put on us, whether it's by way of our last name, whether it's by way of the city that we're in, whether it's by way of the neighborhood that we're from, the origin of our own birth, where we, where we say, this is, this is the cross I have to bear. That you've declared for yourself that God actually never ever meant for you. Pain. What we do know is that Jabez finally came to a point that he said enough was enough. And he declared this very short but powerful prayer. And if you don't mind, I just want to spend some time in four parts of this prayer. And the first thing he said is, oh, that you would bless me indeed. Would you bless me indeed? That word indeed, you can almost say he's putting these exclamation points on. We hear the word uh, indeed in the New Testament as well. And in John chapter 8, who the Son sets free is free indeed. And, and, and though we're talking about two different languages, it's the same meaning. Indeed meaning, and, and the way we say in the hood, for real. <laughs> indeed meaning in abundance. Indeed meaning beyond anything I could ever do for myself. Would you bless me indeed? How can Jabez, how can pain have the faith to say, will you bless me? Bless me while I'm still pain. Will you, will you bless me when everyone knows that I'm pain? And if they didn't know that I'm pain, as soon as they meet me, they hear pain. But will you bless me? There's times where there's movements in, 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 in the church world, and there's movements even sometimes in our own evangelical circles where the word bless or the word favor is so misused it causes us to shy away from it. Blessings are a promise of God. Blessings, it says that Isaac lived, Isaac lived in the blessing. He, he had the blessing of God on his life and he, and he lived in that. The, 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 the Lord said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you and make you famous. And, and, and just because we've seen it misused or mistreated or, 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 or in ways uh, that, that honestly left a, a bad look on the, on, the, on the body of Christ doesn't mean that we shouldn't step in that same line that Jabez and said, Lord, if you're going to bless people, I want you to bless me. And Jabez didn't ask for that blessing just to be blessed. He asked for that blessing so that he can be a blessing. Psalm chapter 5 verse 12 says, for you bless the godly, O Lord. You bless the godly, O Lord. You surround them with your shield of love. I don't know about you, but if God is still in the blessing business, and if he still intends to bless, and if he still wants to bless, and if he's still gonna bless, I wanna be on the receiving end of that. He says, will you bless me indeed? And then he asks him to enlarge my territory. Enlarge my territory. Oftentimes when we hear that phrase, these days especially, we start thinking about land. We start thinking about property. Enlarge my territory. Lord, from an apartment to a mansion. You got me? <laughs> Enlarge my... <laughs> Receive it. Now, it's going to be blessings the rest of the day. Yes. Is it prophetic? Yep. Enlarge my territory. He's, he's, he's actually talking about influence. Enlarge my territory. Will you go ahead of me? Will you go ahead of me 
and soften the hearts and the minds? Will you go ahead of me and till the soil? Will you go ahead of me and proceed to where when I have to go introduce myself as pain, they hear blessed? Enlarge my territory. The thing about it, I think one thing that we always forget, but, but Pastor Keith came up there and preached it beautifully to us, is that every conversation, every relationship, every dollar raised, every job interview, God was there before us. And I just wonder if he wants us to partner with his heart and instead of just trusting that he was there, actually talk about it and say, Lord, you know when the interview is. I'm sitting here losing a little bit of sleep over that interview, but I'm believing you're going to go to that boss and invade their room right now and begin to speak my name, begin to reveal that I'm your son, that I'm your daughter. God, open up that job for me. Some of you guys, maybe even, and I think we should be unapologetic about this. Some of you guys are, are, are maybe looking for relationships and, and, and maybe looking uh, to, 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 to come together and, and, and be married in different things. And, and I don't know if there's anything wrong with saying, God, will you go ahead of me and talk to Ladasha and, and prepare her? <laughs> Enlarge my territory. Enlarge my territory. Lord, I, I ask you to bring an influence, to allow me to be an influence so that you can work through me. Not an influence to bring myself glory. Not an influence so that I can say, look what I've done, but look what the Lord has done. Look at who he is. I don't care if I get the credit. I don't care if I get the glory, but God, if he can use my voice in no matter what the vocation is, no matter what the school is, no matter what the level of ministry is, God, enlarge my territory because it's your grounds to begin with. And if you're willing to use me to take it, I'm walking in that obedience. I'm going there, Lord. Enlarge my territory. Exodus 33, 15. I love how Moses, me and David were talking about this yesterday. I love how Moses talks about he's headed towards the promised land. But he says, if your presence doesn't go ahead of me, I don't want to go. If your presence doesn't go, I don't want to go. And David said this so beautifully. He'd rather stay there pre-promised land and in the presence than to get to the promise and not know if the Lord's going with him. That's enlarged territory saying if you, if you, if you go ahead. I, I, I think it's a, it's a beautiful thing that Joshua and Caleb went to the promised land first and then brought them back to the people and though there was naysayers and though there was people that were afraid, they went over there and saw enlarged territory. Enlarge my territory. Parents, would you ask the Lord to enlarge your territory with your kids? Enlarge your territory at the school. Had the opportunity to go to Balboa with David and Aaron. And, and I really, I saw, I saw how hard they work at that school. And they go student after student shaking hands and, and, and giving hugs and passing out different things. And, and I think as the Lord begins to enlarge territory, it's going gonna, it's gonna to get to a point. And, and I really believe this, where David, you guys going to that school is going to become a distraction. And it's going to be a distraction that they welcome. I think the biggest issue they're going to have is they're going to say, we don't just need to create a room when it comes to creating space at Balboa High School. We need to create time for them. Because there's so many students who want to interact with these city life leaders. This campus, or can we call it territory, needs to be stewarded so that whatever's going on in these people can go on with the rest of our students. You guys understand what I'm saying? Enlarged 
territory. And we shouldn't ask for the Lord to do it if he didn't say in his word that he wants to do it. But he said he wants to do it, and if he said it, I believe it. Enlarge my territory. He says that your hand will be with me. Would you bless me indeed, enlarge my territory, that your hand will be with me. Interesting enough that he asked for a blessing. He asked for influence all through the Lord and for the Lord, but didn't miss the fact to say, but I need you here. Didn't fall so much in love with the idea of the blessing that he dismissed the blesser. Didn't fall enough in love with the gift that he said, but more importantly, I need the giver. Didn't fall in love so much with the idea of the territory, or maybe we call them the campus, or maybe we call them the city, maybe we call it the mission that we say, but Lord, we, we need you in our everyday lives here with us. May your hand be with me. Oftentimes, it's, that's translated in that moment even, even as the hand of protection. The hand of protection. I love Second Thessalonians says, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. 2 Corinthians 3 is beautiful, talking about your hand being with me because it it really, Paul gives us great perspective on the importance of the hand of God being on our life because he says, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. His hand being on your life, which we can really see in the book of Acts, when, when, when God put his hand on the lives of the people in the book, book of Acts, what did he do? He baptized them in his spirit. Because when you baptize them in his spirit, now it's the hand of God being on your life. And I love this phrase. It's when we, when we receive the power of the spirit, it doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. And what happens is we begin to operate in a way that's beyond our talent, beyond what we can afford, beyond our abilities, and we get to do what only God can do through us. And why can we never take the credit? Because we aren't capable of doing what God is doing through us. And it's because the hand of God is on our life. The hand of God is on our life. Yes, bless me. Yes, enlarge my territory. Go ahead of me, but walk step for step with me. One of the greatest things that God does that God gets rid of when he walks with us is fear. Man, we are in a fear epidemic. We talk about anxiety. We talk about depression. Fear grips us oftentimes in the day-to-day. There's a story I like to tell about me being afraid. I grew up in a, in a neighborhood where there was a park right down the street. And in order to get to this park, we had to, we had to walk by this this backyard that had like the meanest dog on the block. The dog was jet black and, and, and he, would, he would bark really bad. And, and you know, one of those barks where kind of the spit comes out. And, 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 and it, of course, it's only the houses like that that have the fence that seems like the dog can clear it whenever he wants to. <laughs> and we just wonder when that moment's going to be. And my older brother and I, we called this dog Hubba. Not because we knew that dog's name, but that's what that dog sounded like when he would bark, and it was so annoying. Hubba, hubba, hubba. And I'm like, man, here comes Hubba. And see, in my little seven, eight-year-old mind, the best way to avoid Hubba barking in my face and kicking up dirt and the possibility of him jumping over that fence is to sprint as fast as I can down this block. At that age, that block was nine miles. In all actuality, it's probably to the, the wall back there. But we would sprint. And every time we made it past, we look at each other, woof, dodged Hubba again. Ain't God good? Won't he do it, you know? And then we get, we get to 
we get to the basketball court. Well, one time I was with my dad. And my dad is, is, is a strong leader. He's, he's, to this day, he's my, my lead pastor. He's my boss. Matter of fact, he sends his love from Church for the City in Yuma. And, and uh, he's, he's, he's the type of guy that turns everything into a leadership lesson, you know? <laughs> turns everything into, into a, a, a moment, you know what I mean? You know, before we cut into this steak. Like, you know, it's just everything <laughs> into a moment. And I remember going around the corner... And, I, and my dad and I were playing catch with the basketball as we get ready to go to the court. And I catch the ball, and I hear Hubba come up behind me and start barking. And unfortunately enough for me, I stiffened up. Now, if I, my brother was with me, I would sprint. But I didn't want to show my dad that I was afraid. Now, on top of that, Hubba's going absolutely nuts, and my dad's staring me in the eyes looking for my response and reaction. I wish he would have just said, run, son. <laughs> he didn't. He actually came stomping right towards me, looking me dead in the eyes. And in my mind, I'm like, here it comes. Life lesson number two million. He's going to throw me over this fence. <laughs> right? He gets as close as he can to me, looking me dead in the eyes, and pushes me to the side, opposite from the fence. And he stands between me and the fence. And he lowers his weight. Now Hubba's going nuts. The spit's coming out as he barks. The dirt's kicking up with his feet. And he's looking at the fence. And I apologize, parents, if you're here and your small kids are in here and you have to go and undo what I'm about to say. But this is the honest, true story. He starts walking down the fence, going all the way up that block, looking at Hubba saying, shut up, dog. Shut up. There's nothing you can do. You can't get to my son. You can bark as much as you want. You can get as loud as you want. There's nothing you can do. And he goes all the way down the fence. Three, four, five years of my life, I ran down that fence because of the volume of the enemy, because of my fear of the enemy, because of the spit of the enemy, because of the dust getting kicked into my face, my fear of the unknown, my fear of future pain. But now that my father was in between me and the enemy, instead of sprinting, I stepped with my, my head held high, with my chest out, and no, the volume didn't go down, no, the barking didn't stop, no, the spitting didn't stop, no, the dirt didn't stop, but I had a confidence, not because of who I am, not because of what I was capable of, but, but who was with me, his hand, was with me. The circumstance doesn't have to change. Recognize who is with you and live your life in a confidence, not because of who you are, but because of who he is. May your hand be with me. And lastly, he says that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. Now, wait a minute. Pain is asking not to cause pain. I love that he says, keep me from evil. Because, I mean, he's, this is a master class. He's saying, I need you to bless me. I need you to enlarge my territory. Give me the influence. May your hand be with me. And even with the blessings and the territory and the hand of God, he's recognizing that there's still an enemy. Just because we don't acknowledge an enemy doesn't mean he's not there. My wife says that every time we talk about our budget. 
Just because you don't check the account doesn't mean it's not coming out. I'm sorry. But it's there. The enemy is there. So he, he said, will you keep me from evil? And I love how he says, will you keep me from evil so I may not cause pain? Understanding and recognizing it wasn't you who labeled me pain. It was an evil act to begin with that I have to carry this label. Sometimes we blame God for what people do. Sometimes we, 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 we look at the Lord and say, why me? Look at what you've done. But we still want free will. We still forget the fact that we live in a broken world, broken people that put those labels on us, put those titles on us. And I love how Jabez says, keep me from evil. And not only am I asking that you clear my heart and my mind of being pain, but don't let me carry that to the next person. I'm not only going to surrender that label and title of myself, but Lord, not even the people around me. Don't let me cause it. Don't let me carry it. Don't let me send that down to the next generation. I wonder how many of you will finally say, Lord, will you, will you keep me from evil and no longer let me be mistake? Will you keep me from evil and no longer let me be cheater? No longer let me be liar. No longer let me be worthless. No longer let me be lazy. No longer let me be abuse. No longer let me be failure. No longer let me be the labels and the titles that were either placed on me by others or placed on me by myself. We talk about pain. I, I don't want to position myself as someone who has no, no empathy. Because it's easy for me to preach this. And you can say, it's easy to preach this if you've never been through anything. And I, I don't know your story. And, and I'm not going to sit here and share my story just so I can say that, I, oh, I've been through this. So, so you should believe me. But, but I do know a thing about it. When I, was, when I was in third grade, we were in a vehicle accident. And I was thrown 38 feet out of a Jeep, landed on my head, cracked skull. The ambulance pulled up. And there were three other kids in the accident and also my dad. And what they did is they began to tend to everyone else. And they came over to me with the white sheet. And the only reason they didn't put the white sheet over my body is because one of my coaches from childhood was behind the ambulance and said, can we please give this kid a shot? Now, there's a whole miracle story that goes with that. But still to this day, I deal with headaches and my, my hands never stop shaking. And, and I understand what having a little physical pain is for the rest of your life. And then you fast forward to when I was a freshman in high school and I talk about my dad and my beautiful mother and their, uh, our incredible family. I'm one of five kids and, 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 and to be a, a part of a, a, a family that's built a, built a church and, and have influence in the city and, and all these different things. And, and for your dad to pick you up from school and tell you your mom left. You're the ones who taught me about relationships. You're the ones who taught me about having faith and, and believing. And, and dad, you left your career. And mom, you left all the possibilities of career for us to plant this church. Is this allowed to happen? Mental health attacks on our, on our family that, that become public knowledge. And, and to this day, because you've listened to this message, you've heard me preach in person more than my own mother. 
fast forward having to deal with that pain in the way that I chose to in an ungodly way and, and, and for, for honestly for at least 12 to 13 years doing anything and everything I can to, to ruin my own life, to put things in my system, in my body and, and, and God blessed me with this amazing wife but even doing the things, uh, anything and everything I could to, to ruin that marriage and spent over 100, 100 uh, nights of, in my life in, in jail and missing the, the, the pregnancy of my first daughter. I, I understand what it's, what it's about to, to feel pain, to experience pain from the acts of others, but also to be a person that gives pain. But I get to read in the word that pain himself says that, God, I know you can rescue me. God, I know you can take that label off of me. God, I know that you'll still bless me. God, I know you'll still give me territory. God, I know you'll still, that your hand will be with me. Pain himself. Why? It says that God granted him what he requested. God granted him what he requested. Where does, my faith doesn't come from Jabez's request. My faith comes from the fact that God granted him what he requested. Matthew, Matthew chapter 7 verse 7 says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open. Jabez opened up his heart and his mind to the God of all creation and said, if, you, if you'll do it for one, will you do it for me? Now, mind you, if you're new to church, just understand this. Jabez is in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament is, is this story of, of God's love for us and, and the fact that, that God created us perfect in his image, but then sin came to this world, and, and the whole Old Testament is this, this story of us uh, doing our best attempts as humans to be made right with God, but, but God, even in all of our failures and even all of our, our shortcomings, God continuing to show himself faithful to his people, faithful to his people, so even people like Jabez, though there was this large process and and though there were there was all these ups and downs and comings and goings to be in the presence of God it was all in anticipation of what happened in the New Testament when this man named Jesus came to this earth this man named Jesus came to this earth to where the blessings that Jabez was talking about was here on earth with us where the favor of God was here on earth with us where the hand of God was here on earth with us where the the granting of the blessing, the granting of the promise was here in the flesh by the name of Jesus. And Jesus gave his life for each and every one of us so that we no longer have to go through anyone else but get to go through him. We're no longer separated from God, no longer separated from his goodness, from his grace, from his mercy, all because of this Savior named Jesus. Can you, can you stand? Will you stand with me? Jesus is the blessing. Jesus is the favor. Jesus is the peace. The only reason we ask for more territory is because we believe that people need Jesus. The reason his hand is on us, not so that we can achieve and accomplish anything, but because we're going to set out to, to help people understand who Jesus is. Does he bless us in the natural? Absolutely. Does he open up the windows of heaven for us? Yeah. But that's not our goal. That's not, what we're, that's not what we live for. We live so that others can get to know this same Jesus that we get to spend eternity with. And when we think about names, Jabez at the time doesn't say that the Bible changed his name. But now that we have Jesus, we get to understand this, that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous run into it, they are safe. 
We sang about the names of Jesus today. We sang about the fact that he's a provider, he's a healer. Each and every one of us, we have our own stories. We have our own hurts. We have our own pain. We have our own doubts. We have our own victories. But the only answer is Jesus. The only rescue is Jesus. The only power we ever really need is Jesus. Yes, make the ask. Yes, request. Yes, bombard heaven. Yes, keep knocking. But all with an understanding that that Jesus is right there available to you and with you, walking side by side with you, leading you beside still waters. Will you bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you for each and every one of these people. I thank you, Lord, that you died for us. I thank you, Lord, that you love us. I thank you, Lord, that you have put us in position where we can experience your goodness day after day, where we can experience your love day after day, where we can experience your mercy day after day. For those here, Lord, who may have a parent wound, who may have doubts in their life, who may experience so much trauma, Lord, that they, they see themselves and they see pain. Lord, if, if they made decisions or others made decisions that affected them to where their life seems to be marked by pain, seems to be marked by trauma. Lord, I pray by the power of your spirit, you begin to bring a peace and a healing to them like never before. Begin to bring a restoration to their heart and their mind, deep in their spirit like never before. Lord, I pray for forgiveness and repentance through your blood. Forgiveness and repentance through your love. Lord, I pray that we can forgive ourselves and forgive others because you have forgiven us. Lord, I pray that we continue to live in a posture of repentance, knowing that God, there's times where we do hurt others. There's times when we do give labels that aren't deserved. There's times where we do say words that, 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 uh, that aren't like you. God, I ask that you forgive us and you fill our mouths with your words, with your thoughts, with your truths for ourselves and others. We thank you for your salvation. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your blessings and your favor. Lord, as I close, I read these words from Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 through 26. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you, City Life Church.